This podcast is covering key surgical trials in ovarian cancer. We'll start with Vergoat's trial, EORTC 55971. This was published in the New England Journal in 2010. Randomized, non-inferiority design. Included women with stage 3C to 4 ovarian cancer. Biopsy proven. 632 patients were eligible. And underwent randomization within three weeks of their biopsy. Randomization schema, primary debulking, followed by six cycles of platinum-based chemotherapy versus three cycles platinum-based chemotherapy, interval debulking, and three more cycles of chemotherapy. The study investigators recommended Taxol-175 and Carbo-AUC-6, but AUC-5 and Cis-Platin was also allowed. The primary endpoint was overall survival. The hazard ratio was set at less than 1.25 to consider uh, to have met the non-inferiority boundary. Secondary endpoints were quality of life, adverse events, and progression-free survival. Key findings. Optimal cytoreductive surgery was achieved in roughly 40% of the primary debulked patients compared with 80% of the interval debulking patients. Upper abdomen was the most common site of residual tumor. Overall survival and progression-free survival similar between both groups. Overall survival was 29 to 30 months Progression-free survival, 12 months, both groups. When you looked at overall survival and uh, residual disease status, residual disease was an independent prognostic factor for overall survival in either of the groups. The other thing to note is that there were fewer adverse events in women treated with chemotherapy followed by interval debulking. The authors concluded from this trial that chemotherapy, that progression, uh, primary debulking surgery followed by chemotherapy is not inferior to neoadjuvant chemotherapy with interval debulking and further chemotherapy in women with stage 3C and 4 ovarian cancer. This study was critiqued based on low rates of optimal debulking, the concern for equipoise or subjectivity and who who was recommended for this clinical trial, perhaps the frailest bulky disease patients. 
it was noted that there was a significant proportion of patients who were performance status two and that the surgical debulking times were very short, um, suggestive that maximal tumor debulking effort was not employed in this trial. Then there's the CORUS trial published in The Lancet in 2015. This was a trial that was randomized, also non-inferiority de design, phase three. 87 centers in the UK and New Zealand. Women were randomized to primary debulking surgery followed by six cycles of platinum taxane versus neoadjuvant times three cycles, interval debulking, and three more cycles of platinum taxane. The chemo was AUC, carbo AUC 5 to 6 and taxol 175 or carboplatin monotherapy. Women were straight stage three and stage four ovarian cancer deemed to be fit for either surgery or chemo. Primary outcome again was overall survival, same as Vergoat. Secondary outcome, quality of life and progression-free survival. Five hundred and fifty two women were recru recruited and five hundred and fifty included in the analysis. Three quarters of patients were high grade serous histology. Most were grade three, and most were stage three C. Follow up four point four years. Survival was similar in the both in both of the groups, but lower than what we would predict compared to contemporary retrospective single institution and prospective cohort series. Three-year survival rate was 33% in the primary debulking patients and 34% in the neoadjuvant patients. Median overall survival, 22.6 months in PDS and 24.1 months neoadjuvant, much lower than expected. Progression-free survival, 12 months versus 11 months, neoadjuvant versus PDS. Operating, operating time in both groups was 120 minutes. Optimal cytoreductive surgery in the PDS group, 40%. In the neoadjuvant arm, 70%. CGR rates in the PDS group, 17%. CGR in the neoadjuvant group, 40%. Quality of life was better with neoadjuvant chemo and fewer grade three and four adverse events. Over a third of patients received carbo as a monotherapy, more in the primary debulking group compared to the neoadjuvant group. The authors conclude <clears throat> neoadjuvant chemotherapy is not inferior to primary debulking in this tri trial of patients with poor performance status and older median age compared with other trials. The rates of CGR and optimal debulking were very low and the median overall survival was very low in both arms of this trial. Chorus and the Vergoat paper combined their analysis 
with the aim of demonstrating non-inferiority in the overall survival between the two arms. They noted no difference in overall survival, 27 months in both groups. They did note women with stage 4 disease had better outcomes with neoadjuvant chemo. The desktop series, this was a series of three different trials, desktop one, two, and three. Very briefly, desktop one was a retrospective review of patients who had secondary cytoreductive surgery for recurrent ovarian cancer. The purpose was looking for relevant prognostic factors to develop a risk score with the idea that desktop two would validate this score. So they looked at women with recurrent ovarian cancer who had had prior cytoreductive surgery, high-grade epithelial subtypes. 267 patients were analyzed. They developed essentially a predictive model for resectability, which was the backbone for desktop two. And this included women with disease-free intervals of six or more months, ECOG performance status of zero, complete gross resection at primary surgery, no ascites on their preoperative imaging, and laparoscopic evaluation for resectability with the effort of looking for carcinomatosis. This was considered the AGO score. ECOG zero, ascites less than 500, CGR at primary surgery. When they looked at their cohort, for women who met this criteria, if they had a positive AGO score, the model had a positive predictive value of 79%. They did miss some of their patients, but this overall captured the vast majority of the patients in their cohort. So ECOG zero, CGR at primary surgery, no ascites on pre-op imaging. The addition of the disease-free interval of six or more months and laparoscopic evaluation helped to strengthen the um, performance of this model for resectability. Desktop two, based on the desktop one AGO score, they screened over 500 patients Half of those patients screened positive on the AGO scoring. Of the 261 patients who scored positive, roughly half or 129 patients underwent surgery, and 76% achieved a CGR. Complications were around 11%, less than 1% mortality. Desktop 2 validated the scoring system, and they had planned to use this score in a randomized control trial called Desktop 3. Desktop 3 was presented at ASCO in 2017. Over 400 patients who had positive AGO scoring, a six-month platinum-free interval, were randomized 
that I either got chemotherapy, which was physician's choice, or cytoreductive surgery followed by chemotherapy. Some characteristics of patients in the trial. Three quarters had a platinum-free interval of over a year. 67% CGR rate. Nearly 90% of patients received platinum-based chemotherapy in both arms. There were no deaths in the surgery arm. There were no differences in grade 3 adverse events in general between the arms, other than a reoperation rate of 4% in surgery and a 0.5% 60-day mortality in the chemotherapy arm. Progression-free survival. 14 months chemo, 19 months surgery plus chemo. Hazard ratio 0.66 with a five-month benefit. Time to first subsequent therapy, 14 months chemo, 21 months surgery and chemo. Hazard ratio of 0.61. Seven-month benefit in the time to the first subsequent therapy. Overall survival data are not mature. The authors concluded that surgery with chemo in patients with first relapse who had the positive AGO score and a six-month or greater platinum-free interval had a meaningful increase in progression-free survival and time to first subsequent therapy with acceptable treatment burden. GOG-213. GOG-213 has two parts to it. One is a non-surgical portion and another is a surgical portion. The goal was to look at the role of bevacizumab as part of the chemotherapy backbone carbotaxol and also to evaluate the role of surgery in these patients. The first portion was published by Rob Coleman and looked at a, was a randomized phase three trial looking at platinum sensitive recurrent ovarian cancer patients. The first objective randomized patients to carbotaxol for six cycles versus carbotaxol plus BEV with BEV maintenance. Patients who were deemed eligible for surgical cytoreduction, which was surgeon determined, not defined in the trial, were then randomized to surgery or no surgery. The primary endpoint in this trial was overall survival. In brief, the first aim, which was looking at carbotaxol versus carbotaxol BEV with BEV maintenance, the overall survival was 42 months with carbotaxol BEV versus 37 months carbotaxol. This wasn't significant at first, but the authors performed a sensitivity analysis and with the sensitivity analysis, it did reach statistical significance. The authors concluded that adding bevacizumab to carbotaxol improved overall survival. Progression-free survival was 14 months versus 10 months with the addition of BEV. Now the second aim, which was surgery and whether the addition of surgery improved outcomes in patients was just reported this past year. The results were reviewed by Rob Coleman at 
um, the Kyoto Conference. The international, the IGCS. This was considered originally a superiority trial. The authors defined that they were looking for an improvement in overall survival with the addition of surgery by 30%, targeting a hazard ratio of 0.7. There was a data safety monitoring board decision that it was very unlikely they would meet their endpoint, and they were advised to release the data before they met their trial endpoint. The primary endpoint of overall survival was then examined. So in surgically feasible patients, which was 485, 240 were randomized to surgery and 245 no surgery. Roughly 80% of these patients had received bevacizumab. There was no difference in progression-free survival. The R0 rate, or complete gross resection rate, was 67%, so good surgical effort. Overall survival was 54 months with cytoreductive surgery and 66 months no surgery. This wasn't statistically significant, although the curve does show that the chemo alone was favored. It's important to know that surgical candidacy was surgeon determined, so this was subjective, but over half of patients had one to two sites of disease, so leaning towards the more favorable type of patient. There were multiple subgroup analyses done based on platinum-free interval sites of disease, and none of those subgroup analyses showed that surgery was the favored arm. Patients were BEV exposed, which may have mitigated the impact of surgery, and that's different from the desktop trial where patients were not exposed to bevacizumab as part of the surgical trial. There were a significant number of Japanese and Korean patients enrolled in GOG 213, and one um, expert critique was that we do have data that show the ja that Japanese and Korean patients may have differing responses to both chemotherapy and surgery in terms of their oncologic outcome. They also did not look at BRCA or homologous recombination status in this group, and it is possible that there was imbalance in the arms with regards to BRCA HRD status. There is a plan to combine GOG213 and desktop once overall survival data are mature in desktop 3. And it may be interesting to see if the addition of the two trials together changes PFS or OS data. The LION trial was published just uh, last month. This was a phase three randomized trial looking at women with stage two through four ovarian cancer, completely resected with negative pre-op imaging for uh, lymph node enlargement. Women in this trial were randomized after resection to lymphadenectomy or no lymphadenectomy. 
So pre-op imaging showed no suspicious nodes, but they did have advanced ovarian cancer. They did undergo complete gross resection, and then they were randomized to lymph node dissection or not. Primary endpoint, overall survival, which is true in all of these trials. Secondary endpoint, progression-free, quality of life. There was no difference seen in overall survival or progression-free survival between the two arms. There were a total of 647 patients. Five-year overall survival, 67% in all of the patient, or 67 months in all of the patients, and PFS, 25 months. When looking at the two groups, lymph node versus no lymph node, Median overall survival, 66 months versus 69 months. Hazard ratio of 1. PFS, 26 months versus 26 months. Hazard ratio of 1. No difference. What's also interesting is that in the lymph node dissection group, there were 55% of patients with occult nodal metastases detected. Also relevant, surgery duration was longer by one hour in the lymph node excision arm. Blood loss was greater in the lymph node dissection arm. Transfusions, also more frequent in the lymph node dissection arm. And ICU stays, more frequent. Patients who had lymph node dissection also had a higher frequency of lymph cysts, both symptomatic and asymptomatic, and relaparotomy for complications. The conclusion from the Lyon trial is that in patients who have advanced ovarian cancer, who undergo complete gross resection, who have clinically and radiographically negative lymph nodes, have no difference in their median overall survival, which was 67 months, or progression-free survival, which was 26 months. And the addition of lymph node dissection did not improve their survival, but did have an increase in post-op morbidity and mortality. And so the lymph node dissection is not recommended in this population. Most recently presented was the Scorpion trial, Anafogoti. Italian group. This looked at women with stage 3 and 4 ovarian cancer who had pre-op imaging of chest, abdomen, pelvis, and a laparoscopic predictive index between 8 and 12. And in prior studies, a laparoscopic predictive in a Fugotti score essentially of between 8 and 12 showed a very significant risk of suboptimal debulking, roughly 100% positive predictive value. 30% negative predictive value. And women with predictive index scores of 8 to 12 were then randomized to neoadjuvant chemotherapy followed by interval debulking or primary debulking followed by chemotherapy. 84, roughly 84 patients in each arm. Follow-up of 42 months showed no significant difference in progression-free survival, 14 to 15 months. No significant difference in overall survival, 41 months with primary debulking patients versus not reached yet in the neoadjuvant arm. Rates of optimal debulking, 92% in the primary debulked patients, 100% in the interval debulked patients. 
seven deaths in the primary debulking versus no deaths in the interval. The authors conclude neoadjuvant chemotherapy is not superior. And remember, this is a superiority trial. It is not superior to primary debulking with regards to progression-free survival in patients with high tumor load and maximal surgical effort. So in other words, same prognosis with either treatment strategy, different toxicities in this population. They also showed survival curves looking at um, residual disease rates and showed that residual disease was an independent predictor of outcome, which has been shown in multiple trials prior. The last study was GOG-152. This is a group of patients who had had a prior suboptimal debulking by a G1 oncologist who were enrolled within six weeks after their initial suboptimal surgery. They were randomized to immediate interval debulking surgery followed by three cycles of chemo or three cycles of chemo with the primary endpoint of overall survival. These investigators showed no difference in overall survival, 33 to 34 months, and no difference in progression-free survival, roughly 10 months. They concluded the effect of a secondary surgery on overall survival showed no difference if the, the primary surgery had maximal effort. The difference between GOG-152 and a European trial, which looked at the same question, is that the experience of the surgeons was quite different. In GOG-152, G1 oncologists had performed the initial surgery versus the European trial, which benign gynecologists were often, or general surgeons were often performing the initial surgery. 